Lizzie wanted to know what he really means. And I like that because it, we've been taught in Christendom a lot of things about that Paul's thorn in the flesh. Today, as my um, style is, we will let the word of God do the talking. I will not give you my own idea. We'll let the word of God do the talking. If we get to some places, I have an idea, an opinion about something. I'll tell you that this is my opinion. But we'll let the word of God do the talking. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I worship you. Sweet Spirit of the Most High God, I ask that you speak to us. You are the teacher. Unveil your word to each and every one of us. Make it clear. Let it come very simple that the simple-hearted will understand it. Write your words, like you said in your word, on the fleshy parts of our hearts, never to be raised. Let us grow up, let us mature to the full stature of Christ in the name of Jesus. Amen. Feel free to stop me at any time. This is Bible Surfing, so you have the right to stop me at any time, to ask questions. If there's something I said you need um, clarification, stop me at any time and ask the question. All right, that uh, popular phrase, the third in the flesh, will be found 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. New King James Version. If you've got a digital Bible, uh, you can select the translation, New King James Version. Verse 7 says, And the least, at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. There are some key words and key phrases I want you to note. Verse 7. Please note, exalted above measure. Exalted above measure. And you can tell that that is the reason for the thorn in his flesh. The other phrase I want you to note is abundance of revelation. So, him being exalted above measure is a consequence of the abundance of revelation. So, I needed to get those two phrases so you can see how they connect. All right. The next phrase is a messenger of Satan. The fourth, this time a word, is buffet. In my New King James Version, it's buffet. The next phrase is list. I be exalted above measure. So he's repeating the reason twice. Okay. Hope you've gotten that. Hope you're taking notes. Please do take notes every Tuesday that we gather here. Most times you won't get everything by just listening. But when you write it, you know, you move whatever knowledge from the book, from your mind, to your soul, to your heart. That's why God talks a whole lot about writing. God himself also writes. Okay. Two things I want to remind you of. Whenever you are reading the scriptures and you want to get the right interpretation of the scriptures, I know I sound like a broken record, 
But I know why I keep repeating this because there's a lot of doctrines out there that emanates from man's idea of God's word. So I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to keep saying it. I won't get tired of saying it. So you would always approach God's word the right way. Two things or two ways of ensuring that you get the exact thing any scripture is saying is number one. Don't take any verse on its own and give it your own interpretation. Always read any verse or group of verses in context. Never take a verse out of context. When you take a verse out of context, any preacher can make any word of God, any scripture, any verse, say whatsoever they want that word to say. So to avoid that, make sure that you read it in context. When you read it in context, the truth is that what that verse is saying or means will be found before the verse, which we call pretext, or after the verse, which we call post-text. So read the pretext, read the post-text, and read it in context, then you have an idea of what that verse is saying. Two, bear this in mind. The Bible, when written, was not written in chapters and verses. The Bible, when it was written, was written in books, not in chapters and not in verses. This first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth, I believe has 13 verse chapters. When he wrote it, he wrote it as a single letter. It was, I believe, an archbishop of Canterbury divided the book into chapters. I understand why they did that. For easy reference, like if I, I, I drew your attention now to one, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, without the chapters and the verses, it was going to be difficult for you to get there unless you know the Bible very well. So I understand why they did it for, for ease of reference. But it has also caused a big trouble and problem when it comes to understanding God's word. Because it makes us go straight to one verse, read it, and we don't read it in context. So bear that in mind. The third thing I want to say is a law which we usually use when we want to interpret the Bible. And I've mentioned this law severally. is the law of first mention. The law of first mention. Bear that in mind. We're going to look at all these things. What does the law of first mention mean? The law of first mention just means that wherever a concept, a, a, a subject, a concept, or whatever name you want to call it, is introduced for the first time in the Bible, surrounding it are the reason for the introduction, the meaning of that thing, and... Um, you know, maybe why God said it or introduced it and how to operate it or to put it to work. So when you go back to the first time that concept was mentioned in the Bible, you will have a perfect understanding of that concept. Let's read this verse 7 in context. Let's go to the pretext. The first place I want to stop is from verse 1 from verse 1 
later in the study, I'm going to go to chapter 11. Now, verse 1 says, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, when you read this chapter 12 and chapter 13, you will notice that Paul talked about boasting, I think about five times. The word either boast or boasting were mentioned about five times. So you can see what he's talking about. It gives you a glimpse, an idea of what he's talking about. So bear that at the back of your mind. It will help you understand what this thorn in his flesh is. Verse 2. Say, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Who was Paul talking about here? He's talking about himself. But he has said in verse 1, that mm, it's not profitable for me to boast. So you can imagine, he didn't want to say in verse 2, I am that person. He said, I know a man, but he was actually talking about himself. So he was just being, what I say, humble. <laughs> he was just being humble. So he was talking about himself. What was this about himself? See verse 3. He says, I know such a man, whether in his body or out of his body, no, no, God knows how he was caught up into paradise. Some translations say third heaven. Third heaven. The New King James Version actually identifies what this third heaven is. It's paradise. As you know, our atmospheric, you know, heaven is the first heaven. Between where you are now till the border with space is the first heaven. Then space itself is the second heaven. So whenever you read the Bible and you come across the third heaven, it's talking about the planet, the location, which we call heaven, that God lives in. So where God lives is the third heaven. So Paul is saying that he was caught up some years ago to heaven. That means he had an out-of-body experience. He was translated from earth to heaven. Now the Bible records that two men still living here on earth, went to heaven and came back. So the Bible recorded that two men. Now, if you've read um, Christian literatures and all that, you discover that a lot of people have already gone to heaven and come back. I know one personally, and I'm sure one or two people in this Bible, uh, in this meeting also knows the guy. He was a guy, he had an accident and he died on the spot. So his body was taken to the mortuary, but they sent word to his church members. He's actually a pastor. So his church members refused to let him go. So they prayed the first day. He didn't come back to life. He was now put in the mortuary. Second day, he didn't come back to life. The third day, they refused to let go. They kept on praying. The third day, he came back to life. And he started telling us, you know, stories, you know, and um, things that happened when he was taken to heaven. And the man is still alive till date. He's still alive. But in the Bible, only two men were taken to heaven and back. The first record in the Bible is Paul, the apostle. The second record in the Bible is an apostle also, known as John, the author of Revelation. Most of the book of Revelation, we have visions of John in heaven. A good example is in chapter 4 of Revelation. 
Paul, um, John speaking in chapter 4 of Revelation said that he was, you know, on his own. Then he heard a voice say to him, come up hither. And he said, immediately I was in the spirit. That means he was raptured. He was translated into the spirit realm and he was taken to heaven when, where he was shown a lot of things. So we have Paul and John as two people that have been to heaven and came back on earth. So Paul was saying, I was taken to paradise. He said he heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, talking about himself, I will boast, yet not of myself. See now, in verse 2, he was saying, mm, in verse 4, he was saying, well, it's, maybe it's me or maybe it's not me. Now he's saying <laughs> that it's him. He said, I will boast yet of myself. I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. Why did I read verse 1 to verse 6? For a reason. To explain the abundance of revelations in verse 7. Note those phrases I say you should note. So let's go back to verse 7. It says, At least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. So he's telling us that he has been caught up into heaven and he was given, shown, told a lot of things, revelations, deep things. He says some of which he cannot say. He wasn't given the license to even talk about it. Now, I don't know if you've met someone that is well-learned, maybe a barrister, a solicitor, a well-learned man, very knowledgeable. I've met several of them. I've met several of them. And there's something about each and every one of them. You know, they, they are a bit pompous because they believe they know a lot, because they believe they are intelligent. There's a way they carry themselves. And, 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 and this is where this saying is so, is so profound. They're saying that knowledge puffs up. <laughs> knowledge puffs up. And this is true. You know, the more you know, you start seeing yourself as a superhuman. You start seeing the rest, the, the other people, other human beings as, you know, inferior and lower humans. And this is exactly what Paul was talking about here. That's why he made references to boasting. So, at the start of that verse 7, he said, At least I should be exalted. I should be puffed up. I should be proud. He said, Because of the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given me. So, this is the first summary I'm going to give you. Number one, the reason for the thorn in the flesh is an antidote for pride. And pride as a result of revelation and knowledge. Get that settled. The reason for the thorn in Paul's flesh was to bring him low, to humble him. There's this saying that we have that God will humble the proud and he will do what? He will lift up the humble. So God, I mean, the thorn in the flesh was given him for him to just be a normal human being. Hey, Paul, yes, you've been to heaven and you're back here on earth. Yes, you are shown a lot of things. Yes, you are told a lot of things that a lot of human beings don't even know anything about. 
but stay humble. Stay humble. But you can see from his writing, from these few verses we've just read, he's writing, you see that thing, come, come, you know, like sort of come from inside. He will want to boast, but he will hold back. He will want to boast. He will hold back. It's like a craving on his inside to let people know that he knows a lot, that he's been shown some things in heaven, but, you know, he's trying to like, mm, keep it low. <laughs> and that's the reason why the thorn in the flesh was given him. Number two, I'm going to drop the thorn in the flesh. If I identify what this thorn in the flesh, let's go to the next thing. In that verse 7, the Bible says, This thorn in the flesh, comma, a messenger of Satan. Now, we've been taught that this thorn in the flesh was a sickness. I mean, that's, that's the um, dogma, the doctrine that is preached, that is popular. That they say it is God that gave Paul a certain sickness to keep him humble. But right here in the Bible, like I keep telling you, don't believe what anybody teaches you, including I, if I can't prove it from the, from the word of God. But the Bible was so clear what this thorn in the flesh truly was, or rather, who was behind the thorn in the flesh. The Bible says it is a messenger of Satan. Now, what has been preached is that it is God that gave Paul the thorn. But the Bible says it was not God. Rather, it is a messenger of Satan. But we know that Satan does not have a right or authority over any human being, talk less of a Christian. So you can imply that God allowed it. So if you say that God allowed this messenger of Satan to be a thorn or to inflict Paul with a thorn in his flesh, then you'll be right. But to say it was God that gave it to him, you will not really be right. I'm going to not, I won't agree with you on that. Because the Bible was clear who was behind it. A messenger of Satan. Now, what is this messenger? I think some translations also say angel. Angel of Satan. Some translation. Now, the word angel, as you know, is a messenger. Hebrews chapter 1, I think verse 12 and 13 was clear on that. The Bible says, and angels, ministering spirits. The word ministering there is messengers or servants so angels are ministering spirits angels are servant spirits and in that place in hebrews he continued he said to their ministering spirits to them that will be what heirs of salvation so he's talking about you and i that are saved so angels are our servants angels are not the physical butler that you find in an aristocrat's house, angels are spiritual spirits sent to serve us that have said, Jesus, come into my life. Isn't that amazing that God has given us spiritual servants to aid us? I think that is amazing. That is how special we are to God. That being said, because when Satan fell from heaven, as you know, Satan is an angel, he's a cherubim that fell. When he fell, the Bible lets us know that he didn't fall alone. He also led a rebellion. And everyone that joined that rebellion, every angel that joined that rebellion, was also cast out of heaven to the second heaven, which we call space. 
So this messenger of Satan or angel of Satan are fallen angels that work together with Satan. So this thorn in the flesh was one of them. Or rather, the person behind the thorn in Paul's flesh was one of such angels, a messenger of Satan. The first word I say you should note is the word buffet. What does buffet mean? The Greek word that was translated buffet in the English Bible means to smack either on the face which leads to pain. So the word buffet there is talking about some sort of physical abuse that leads to pain. So that alone has told us what this thorn in the flesh is. This thorn in the flesh is not a sickness. Okay, let me get the, the Greek word for the word buffet is the word is the word kalafizio. K-O-L-A-P-H-I-Z-O. And it says it is a derivative of the base word to wrap with the fist. That is either to punch, box, or smack. So it's talking about physical abuse on Paul. So the messenger of Satan was behind every physical abuse that, say, that Paul experienced. Now, to prove that, remember, anything I teach you, which I cannot show you from the scripture, don't take it. This takes us back again to reading in context. We've read from verse 1 of 1 Corinthians to prove the reason why the messenger of Satan was sent to him to buffet him because of his knowledge, revelations that he has garnered from going to heaven and all that. Now, let's read the context again. So, I'll prove to you that this turn in the flesh is not a sickness, neither is it a disease. It is actually physical abuse, physical beating, anything done physically on his flesh to cause pain. This will take us back to chapter 11. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. Hallelujah. Verse 16. I say again, let no one think of me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I also may boast a little. You see that word boast again? He's now granted himself permission to boast. <laughs> you see the problem why the thorn in the flesh was given him? It's because of pride. So he said, okay, let me boast a little. Just give me a second. Let me just boast a little. Now verse 17. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were, foolishly, in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also, I will boast. <laughs> so, no wonder the thorn in the flesh was given him. It's pride. It's pride. Pride. Do you know, a little bit of Paul's history was that he was so learned, he was educated in the Oxford of his day, or in the, in fact, in the Oxford of his day. And Oxford of his day was a school they called the School of Gamelia. He was a student of Gamelia. So he was well educated. He was a, Phari he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. 
He knew the law inside out. He knew the law, you know, at the back of his hands. He had so much knowledge in the law that when he got saved, God took him on some excursions in heaven and now gave him spiritual revelation. So he knew a lot. Knowledge puffs up. So he has allowed himself to boast. Now let's let's um, let's listen to his boasting. Verse twenty-three. Are they ministers? He's talking about these guys that we are boasting. He was trying to prove to them that he knows a lot more than them. That he is more than them. That he's a superior human being to them, or whatever way you want to put it. Say, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. So he's more of Christ's minister than them. That's what he's trying to say. He said, in labor, more abundant. That means in his own, you know, assessment, he has done, he has labored so much for the curse of the gospel. He has labored so much for Christ and he's boasting about it. He says, in stripes, are you seeing? That buffeting. Stripes, talking about smacking. The punishment he has received for the gospel. He says, in stripes, Above measure, in prisons, more frequently. This is naming all the things he has suffered for the gospel. That is the buffeting. Anything that wraps your face with a fist, that beats you, anything that is applied to your flesh physically, physically to cause pain is that buffeting. And listen to this. Listen to this. He says, in deaths often. So Paul actually died. Not once. Because in my Bible it says deaths. Plural. He died more than once. A good example was when he was shipwrecked. The Bible says that he was in the deep. That means he was in the sea for three days. You can't be in the sea for three days and be alive. You can't be in the deep. <laughs> that means he actually died, but he was brought back to life. He said, in deaths often. So, Paul died more than once for the gospel. And he's boasting about it. Right? Let's continue. He's now saying this buffeting, this punishment, this suffering from Christ. He says, the ones I got from, <laughs> from the Jews. He says, from the Jews in verse 24. Five times. He says, from the Jews. Five times I received 40 stripes. Minus one. So five times he was whipped, just like Christ was whipped 39 times. The law is that you whip 40 times, but so that you don't go over, you cut it short by one. So they are whipped 39 times. Like the stripes of Christ was also 39. Say five times he received it. Five times. Jesus received it once. Paul received it five times. That's the buffeting he's talking about. That is the thorn in the flesh. Okay, let's continue. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day. Sorry, not three days. It was a night and a day I have been in the deep. You can't survive inside the ocean. You can't sink into the waters for a day and a night and be alive. In this particular shipwreck he's talking about, he died. Who is weak? And I am not weak? Of course, he's going to be weak. <laughs> After all of this. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. 
If I must boast, are you seeing that boasting again? I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. So know that word, infirmity. We'll get there. I'll explain to you what it means. So are you seeing the, the buffeting? He listed them out. You see why you need to read the Bible in context? When you read the Bible in context, it will start making sense. If I don't read it in context, I can just come, pull off a seven, and tell you that the thorn in the flesh is sickness, is this, is that. In fact, it was when he was struck by that bright light when Jesus spoke to him from heaven. And the Bible says that his eyes got glistened with glass that he went blind. You know, people have said that is the infirmity. But the Bible tells us that a few days later, when he went to see Barnabas, and Barnabas prayed for him, that the glass, scales like glass, the Bible says, fell out from his eyes, and he started seeing. So that cannot be the infirmity. So people said, no, 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 the infirmity is the sickness. They talked about one sickness, you know, he mentioned when he was, he said he was tired or something in, in the book of Acts. That that is the thorn in the flesh. I'm sorry to disappoint you. That is not the thorn in the flesh. Don't worry, I'll give you more proofs.